0: Reef therapy by reef builders is brought to you by ICP analysis. What's in your water?
1: All right, and we're live. Mark Vanderwall, my good friend. Good to see you again. Good to for see our you. 26th session because we did 26th session last session, but we're saving that one for the holiday season and we have to talk about some of the very big news of the week but we're definitely going to parade through some pleasantries before we get to the topic of the hour. Does that sound all right to you, Mark? That works, yeah. So you bought some corals, right? You bought some corals and I a did. device. Yeah. Oh, tell, us, tell us a story. I love this, uh, <laughs> the drunk ordering, man, because I'm also guilty.
0: Yeah. You know, I've been trying to hold true to the original intent going back to like 2018 when i was like yeah i'm gonna take a break from sbs and just go with a bunch of softies and just let them overgrow like crazy and just have like a nice oh. low maintenance tank and but uh i don't know if it's just talking to you and different stuff I, but um yes yeah, so over the weekend uh we had some nice weather here uh and i was sitting outside on my porch drinking some beers and i was kind of rummaging through staring at my fish tank yeah, I was thinking about like the S- like some. Of, what are some of my favorite SBS? You know, just a stupid mental list. Um, I how went- stupid!
1: That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Making a mental checklist of your favorite marine life. No person in their right mind would ever do.
0: You know, you're just sitting there drinking <laughs> a beer, listening to some music, stare at your reef tank. Um, and I think it spawned on some of the discussions you and I've had, and also some of the stuff that's going on on social media with some of the folks that we know about. How a lot of uh old SPS staghorns, you know, are are sort of missing in the. I don't know if they're missing in the trade. I, I couldn't say that for sure, but it's just you don't they're see missing them. from the headlines. Yeah. Um, so and and you and I were talking about Abrolo census and. Um, But yes, I was sitting there and I was like, man, you know, other corals I've really liked were the ORA Hawkins and the um, also the Ice and and Fire Echinata. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Of all the old school corals, I would say the Hawkins Echinata is probably still one of the most widespread because it has awesome color, really tight growth. But you copped a couple?
0: Yeah, so then I was searching. I was like, oh, I wonder if like the Ice and Fire, I haven't seen anybody talk about that one in a while. I was like, I wonder if it's still available. And then I saw a site that, Sold both. And I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, man. You know, crack open another beer and I just ordered them, And then I was like, well, crap. Now I've got more SPS in my tank. But that's okay. It's fun. It is Um, fun. I
1: mean, I think that's a sign not that you're not sticking to your guns, but that you're just engaged with your aquarium. You know, you wrote that one, like, timeless piece about um, careful neglect of a reef tank because if you're in the hobby for a really long time – there's going to be periods in your life where you got to coast, yeah. you know, and you can't just always be up in it. And I know you've, uh, you know, always been at it a pretty high level, but you've waxed and waned to the degree uh, of which you, you know, really plant your tank. So what did you end up getting?
0: Uh, yeah, so I got the Ice and Fire, the Hawkins, and then um, just a coral that at one point was all the rage. And I just was like, you know, I've never kept that coral or any uh, any coral of that genus, uh, the uh, Space Invader, Pectinia, so I just threw oh, that in. Oh, nice. Very um, nice. I know, I know they can be uh, nasty with sweepers, somebody said, but... If you look
1: at a lot of people's tanks, including mine, they are... So glorious, but they're managed by kind of being relegated to the bottom or corner or side yeah. of a tank. You can see it in a lot of people's reef tanks. It'll be front of the glass or side of the glass or very top left. It's like a Galaxia, but just not quite as pugnacious.
0: Yeah, well, it's a cool, you know, it's I've never kept Pectinia, to be honest. So I thought, you know, that'd be a fun one to go with. Um, and then I think I talked in the past about uh, my gyres were so old. And, you know, back in the day, I did use vinegars. So maybe that had something to do with pump cleaning and making things brittle. But the uh, the power cords that were submerged, the the submerged person were really hard and brittle. So when I was swapping tanks, I noticed that. And I was like, ooh, I don't want to throw these in my tank anymore. Um, so I've been uh, coasting with a single tunzy um uh, 6105 i don't know just a big stream pump is it a ball shaped one
1: yeah it's not it's not the old like mini no
0: no it's the <laughs> uh it's like the ball shape but uh and it was doing fine you know i mean um the two svs i do have were encrusting and the flow looked pretty good because my tank's pretty shallow yeah um and i got a lot of uh, a lot more flow going through the sump uh, for now since I knew I was down a pump but so I ordered another Tunzi for the other side but I wanted to try that crazy stream three um mm-hmm. I don't know I like weird things like that um I, I don't mean to call it weird but just unique things like that where it's an original design yeah it's I was curious about it um so I ordered one of those I haven't gotten that yet but uh excited to try that um just throw that behind my rock work and let it go nuts and have a little more flow
1: nice oh it's really fun to see you tinkering <laughs> like exactly like you said you wouldn't
0: yeah yeah i know it's bad next thing you oh, know, it's not second reef
1: tank <laughs> it's a great indication i'm over here with like 20 tanks you know, just <laughs> i got i got nothing you know no room to talk about talent. well that's cool i went to i got a new coral also i yeah. went to akashala in dallas and it was a really cool, balanced show between the freshwater, the saltwater, the livestock, and the manufacturer. So, I really appreciated that. And they had a great lineup of speakers. Now, you good? know, at this at this point, you know, obviously, I love going to shows to see the corals, to talk to the, the companies and find out what's going on. But after such a long absence, it was just really great to get some face time with Fantine Thine of uh, Tidal Gardens, of Sanjay Joshi, of... Dr. Photon Man, you know, and just talk reef. It was, that was my favorite part. But what's funny is I found one coral, uh, not at Aquashella, but the day before at some kind of get together at uh, Dallas North Aquarium. So shout out to DNA, Dallas North Aquarium, for shipping me a single coral (laughs) for a really fair price. I've been looking for this coral for about three years It used to be really common, and I think it's because it's more of an oceanic coral. And so it has a wide range, but you could find it in Indonesia if you went far enough offshore where it's probably not the kind of corals you want to collect. And so I think they were coming in from Fiji a lot more. But the coral is a Leptoria. It came in today. Um, So there's a maize brain you know and then there's what i call a true platygyra and i got a beautiful colony of that about two weeks ago from aci and then leptoria is what i call the scribble brain you know kind of sounds the same but leptoria just has way more always parallel like ridges and valleys that are you know ridged but also kind of streamlined compared to uh uh, platygyra or paragoniastra what i'm, I'm starting <laughs> i just decided i figured out how to win that battle it's gonna call the true platygyra and false platygyra because that's easy enough for people to remember and then when they're like they hear false platygyra they're like well what's a false platygyra oh it's this whole nother world of you know maze brain coral but man it was crazy that, that this coral used to be you could just pick up anywhere anytime but you know, if we can't call Paragoniastria by its name, the hopes that someone's going to recognize or notice the Leptoria are pretty slim. And it was in their display tank for, they said, like four to six months. Not not no, like uh, a display coral for sale tank, not a display tank. Through the moment I walked in, I'm like, that's what I'm buying. And it's before Aquachella. And that is the only thing I'm going to get all weekend long. And I stuck to my guts. <laughs> I only added one coral to my 1,000 pieces. That's a <laughs> I have cool so much coral to
0: grow big, you know, just to have a big old,
1: like, call It's such a beautiful coral, this yeah. one piece. It's just, it's perfectly, you know, round, and it's kind of got a nice, like, uh, attractive, asymmetrical kind of hump to it, you know, so you can enjoy it from all kinds of different sides, and it's that's given me ideas.
0: Nice. Yeah, I... I see all these shows, and my only annoyance factor is they always pick uh, weekends that um, would be hard for me to go as a dad. Halloween, yep. I gotta take my kids trick or treating. Um, you know, I heard that from a Mac. Now, sometimes it's on like a Labor Day like weekend. I'm like, come on, man! Like,
1: <laughs> I've heard that from a lot of people, but I actually went as the uh, Bob Ross of corals which I've been named a couple times and I just kind of leaned into it and it was really fun. Oh, I had so much yeah. fun. People there was up in a of freshwater aquascaping there. Nice. And we took a picture together. Of you two together. Yeah, that, yeah, was, that was funny. Just, that was super funny because I have my, you know, little pallet with some small kind of artificial corals glued on. And then he had his much bigger pallet with like pieces of fake you know, plastic plants glued onto that. And I was like, hell yeah, man. We definitely have had the exact same idea, but in our own lanes.
0: Yeah, if it was just on a more random weekend, I could be like, hey, honey, you mind if I go to Texas to a reef show? And my wife mm-hmm. would be like, go for it, you know? But, it, you know, it'd be a hard sell to Halloween, say I'm going to yeah. miss
1: that. Yeah, Totally get that.
0: But I also get that that adds some thema- thematic flavor to the show too and makes it a lot more fun. So I get it. I don't ways. know if I'd
1: want every single... Any show. I wouldn't want any show to fall on any holiday year after year after year, um, except for, you know, my might be Macna and Labor Day because I'm ambivalent and it's really close to my birthday. So, just bundle it all up into one nice long weekend and uh, I'm okay with that.
0: My first Macna back in 2000 was on my wife's birthday and she was nice enough to let me go with it. I mean, she came along, but she was bored out of her mind.
1: <laughs> oh, no. I'm sure you had to make up for it for yeah, a while afterwards. yeah.
0: But you know, that's what I knew. She was the one, and no, actually, I knew that <laughs> before, but it reinforced um, it. There we
1: go. So, one other thing that people are always asking me about is just because I because I don't necessarily update it that often, but it was some of the first few videos of like specialty tanks that I showed off here at the studio. Is people ask me a lot about my Christmas tree warm rock tank, mm. and it gets like a, an annual like revamp. I'm not doing anything to the tank. I just take all the pieces out, and I just do a little bit of grooming, rip off some sponge, just kind of reset the plate that they're on and recalibrate the corals that are in the tank with them. You know, if I had much fewer corals, I would turn it to a lot more aesthetic display. But right now, the Worm Rocks look amazing, bro. Like, I don't think I've lost um, until yesterday, which I'm going to explain. I don't think I've lost... Any or maybe like one or two Christmas tree dusters. That's really good. Out of like 80. I'm going to guess like there's like 80 of them across four rocks. So yesterday, um, cleaned up a lot of like a, what I call adjunct growth. So there was like um, a bunch of core line growing into a lump on one backside of one of the rocks. There's always like a little bit of velonia. I mean, after a year, I got to clean up a little bit of Valonia in between the tubes. It's like, it's not even tedious at all. It's yeah. actually when you do that very, a little minute amount of picking once a year, that's a labor of love. <laughs> I'm all about that. Um, what else? Um, I decided, so there was this, so you got to realize these Christmas tree worm rocks, it's not just like a factory made perfect bundle of the Spirobranchus uh, feather dusters and coral, right? It's a piece of live rock that happens to be 80 to 90% corals with some commensals living inside of it. So there's barnacles, there's coral hermits that are cemetery, but they're basically hermit crabs. And then there's all these different colors of Christmas tree feather dusters or worm rocks. And then there are other species of feather dusters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So they're like, you know, one of the rocks um, is denuded. From day one, I didn't have the coral was struggling, but the worms were fine. So that thing's been basically a bare rock for a long time. Um, One piece has parietes and like a couple like Caribbean flower, sorry, Pacific flower anemones. They're just two different shades of green. And then one of them had a palathoa growing off the side of it, you know, like the nasty type. But it was just nice enough to save. And because mm. it's like a weirdo palathoa strain that grew off of this rock, I decided to preserve it. Um I started putting it on the under the saw. But it just, I wish I'd gotten the griffin XL. Anybody's looking at a, a bandsaw for corals, just get the XL. Don't ever look back. I wish I'd gotten the XL. There's been so many occasions where if I just had a couple more inches, it'd be like such a clean cut. But yesterday I decided to cut those off as cleanly as, cleanly as possible. <coughs> and I knew I was risking a few feather dusters on the side, right? They had to be removed. And if I picked at them really, really hard, it would probably activate a lot of um toxin to be exuded put in mean danger putting the whole rock in danger putting the studio in danger you know so i decided to cut the through the whole thing knowing i was going to cut through a, a few of the christmas tree dusters um because if i let them grow they would just take over that whole rock and that, that would be all she wrote but yeah. i was really surprised because i cut through i think three tubes and I definitely cut the the ass sand off of one of them because he was kind of hanging out both both sides of his hole and i think he eventually slipped out but the others had pulled back into the rock far enough that after the cut they just came back out oh, through really? the through those new holes so long story short i i revamped that um that tank it's like a it's like a it's like a 30 long you know three foot long tank it's got just nice basic gyre plate in the middle but it's kind of turned into my um kind of a, like nicer frags kind of go in there. So I've got um, some aculina in there. I've got my uh, snake polyps, um, a couple of my favorite zoanthids, and kind of big lineup of um, all of the goniopores that I have as frags. But I say four of them probably ready to graduate out of there. And uh, I've got like a nicer little small isolation Of like fancier galaxia. So I've got this really cool galaxia that I had to cut down not too long ago. I decided to save every frag. And so I have three like single core light frags that just look amazing. It's a gold galaxia with a green, like a bright green mouth. It's one of the nicest glasses. And they're like in between these couple varieties of branching galaxia. So I've got this very small little rack, just fancy galaxies on there. So the tank looks amazing. Yeah. Nice it's like it, there's not really any algae to get there was no aptasia problems there was n- very minimal sponge growth actually you know what the most irritating thing we had to remove was some uh, non-pulsing xenia anthelia i don't know it was is one of those octocorals you know kind of grayish and i think we got it all this time so you had a starkey damsel in there too right two of them two of yep, them okay two australian yeah. star I guys that. uh got straight from quality marine and I think you and I know that that was always such a cool fish. It was like the purple tang of damsels.
0: Yeah. I I remember the first one I ever saw in person was when I visited you in uh, South Carolina and, uh, you, you helped negotiate with the, uh, local fish store manager, you know, <laughs> to get the price down a bit on it. You know, I, I called it my, uh, poor man's resplendent angel. Oh
1: yes. Cause it yes, has like that, that true,
0: like lemon yellow, you know, on them. I mean, and their scales, once they get bigger, their scales are amazing. I need to get mm. one of those. I wonder how he'd fare with my, uh, Azure damsel. I don't know. You sometimes with those, or, yeah, and sometimes wow. with those crecipitors, they they do pick each other off over time. I've noticed. You know, you can get like a, a group of them, and mm-hmm. things will go well for a while, but they'll start to pick each other off, even though they're
1: the nicer of the damselfish. So, I totally forgot. I thought about you when I was um, a Dallas World Aquarium. I hooked up with uh, Joey DIY Fishkeeper and Paula Carson, the curator of the. Lots of things there, and it was just an awesome time. We were there for like three or four hours, checking out the exhibits, checking out all their birds, all their small mammals, all their the the plants inside. Like as a plant guy now, like I was noticing like a lot of not rare but more like exotic level monstera's and philodendrons and anthuriums, and they had this uh, Orinoco crocodile. I had no idea they got that big. There was one there that like he'd make short work of eating you not killing you eating you he was a 20 feet long it was incredible but they had a lot of rare and exotic fish and that is i think one of the last times i have ever saw true wild uh clownfish Mm. and they have like a lord Howe exhibit they used to keep a lot i was about
0: to say that was uh I was going to let you finish and say, I remember back in the day, Fama, I think, or one of the fish magazines highlighted them and it showed that they had a Lord Howe exhibit. Mm -hmm. And I remember with conspic angels and I was, I mean, that was my first real exposure in in a magazine of like, oh, what kind of angel fish is that? They have a
1: large wild pair that looks Photoshopped in real life. Nice. But they had at least one wild Litesinatus. That's the wide bar or blue lip. And then there was like, three pairs in the back like you know getting it on bringing it on I think they were f ones I was looking at them from the top of the tank and I couldn't see the white bar but they looked a lot better than the funky tank <laughs> captive raised uh Letana clownfish that you've mentioned many times here um on the reef therapy podcast
0: yeah I lost my last one the crooked deformed mouth and all uh he was my token quarantine tank fish to keep the bio filter going mm. um, along with a freshwater adapted to saltwater molly which you gave me that idea um but yeah that was such a man i would if i could get my hands on some nice lats that were you know full banded healthy wild you know those are hard i don't to care
1: by. if they're domestic just as long as they look like the wild yeah Right. I'm not like stuck on it being pure and wild and F zero. I just want it to look like the flawless fish that come from the wild. Mm-hmm. And since we're on this topic, bro, I'm actually going to be writing about a spot synctus clownfish that I saw in an aquarium display at the Dallas airport. And finally, this fish made me realize that there's a story or a conversation to be had about like, how shitty are we going to let captive Breadfish be? I know I'm not making friends right now, but man, this thing had like just like more than a bulldog punched in faced. He had like a big old flared gills. His body wasn't in the right shape. His fins were I mean, obviously the bars is a spot synctis, but man, this thing looked like like a a science experiment. It really did and you see that and I'm just like I'm it's just making me wonder what is the bottom Right? What is the floor for the quality of some of these captive-raised fish? Because, like, man, that fish looked like it was actually hurting to be alive, to breathe.
0: (laughs) That's how my last was, man. Uh, The final one. The other one was worse uh, as well. But um, just the crooked jaw, the punched-in face, uh, it struggled, you know. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, I I was – the tank it was in – was developing a bubble in the seam. So I just, you know, again, it's just a 20-gallon. So I went to Petco and grabbed another one, plopped it in its place, moved everything in, and uh, a week later it perished. And I I could blame myself for disrupting its environment, but, I mean, it was a hot swap, right? Like the the biofilter, everything just transferred over, the same you know, water. Yeah, like
1: a probably like an elderly person living on life support. Yeah. You still move it from one funeral, one... Yeah, you know, uh, what do you call it, retirement home to another, but just that stress alone was enough to be like, okay, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. But yeah, just- I don't know. I just I feel like there's a lot of room between flawless fish and test tube freaks. You know? Yeah. And there's just not enough of a conversation being had of like what is the baseline that we should accept as a standard for cultured fish man god i remember the conversation around cultured fish used to be just about price it was only like the messaging was like oh please pay like five dollars more or ten dollars more for a 40 or 50 dollar fish you know to support aquaculture and now it's like the quality is just atrocious i'm okay i'm some fish are atrocious. No, it's not across the board, but some cultured fish look nothing like their wild counterparts, yet they're priced at like three, four, five times what you can get them from the wild.
0: You yeah, know, and I like, get
1: that they're still figuring some
0: stuff out because I think marine fish breeding is is still relatively – for a lot of species, it's still groundbreaking, right? And they're still – uh, ironing out some wrinkles. I mean, I look at Biota, right? I I have not purchased a captive-bred yellow tang, and the reason being, all the ones I've seen in person have weird discoloration issues or lateral line issues, and they may have fixed it by now. They may have figured out what the glitch was. Well, let's but save,
1: let's save some of this for a future session yeah, where we just sure. talk about aquaculture. But I think the problem is they're not trying, actually, because if you look at poly aqua rich fish, they're raised in such a way that they're like, except for the fact that they're an impossible hybrid, they're practically flawless, you know, specimens of the species, very few cattle breeding artifacts. And my umbrage is that they're not even trying to make a perfect fish. All right. Enough about that stuff. <laughs> But I do want to give a special shout out to uh, David Rains of Galactic Coral. Um, you know, it's just not too often that I come across a new challenge, and someone has a lot of answers for me. So he and I actually did a trade on a kind of a rainbow red um, carpet enemy that I got maybe a little two months back, yeah, because that would have been around reef currents time. And ever since then, I've just been spending paying a lot more attention to my anemones because they had been in baskets and larger systems doing fine, but I just wanted to give them something better. So I put them in like a one rack of the system, which is basically unfiltered, just a sponge filter <laughs> over a, a power head that, you know, pumps water across and the water flows back. But now I'm, you know, I've got um, a big blue carpet, the red rainbow, red carpet, got two green bubble tips, one nexus burst, one Chicago burst, two pizza nems, one red rye, and one reddish malu. And I'm just starting to see like this general malaise about that many anemones being in the same system because I've already put it through a few Cipro treatments and that seems to help temporarily, like just gives them, I don't know, some kind of crazy spunk. I'm starting to believe that just it's too much flesh to water ratio for, especially for a tank that has almost no filtration. So David had talked to me about, uh, you know, some larger systems where he held like uh, quantities of different anemones. And he shared some um, observations about some some of his tanks and people that he know that when the anemone population reaches a certain size, um, they don't seem to do well. So this is not one anemone affecting another. It's more like just something in the water, so it could be bacterial. My pet theory is that they're somehow just straight releasing nematocysts in the water because they, you know, they they mucus off a lot, they slime a lot, and so um, I've heard some
0: more of some of the more aggressive anemones. Will you?
1: I've I've heard
0: anecdotal people say, you know, evidence that people say they will take out, you know, some of the more milder anemones over time you know mm-hmm. right? and and there was this general advice of don't mix anemones that has has lurked around on the internet for a long time
1: i i think there's something to that but um in talking to david it just he said he knows that this one system where the, some aquarist is keeping like one strain of bubble tips in one tank one strain of bubble tips in another tank another strain in another tank but they're on the same system and it wasn't until they added a uv sterilizer um And a lot of carbon that the anemones stop showing just these signs of stress. You know, we work so much more with corals and fish than we do with like some of these invertebrate groups. So it was just like, I was very happy to find... Some information that supported my observations. um That's so that's pretty cool. But yeah, I have like literally the antidote, the the antithesis of of what these folks are doing. It's just total open water tank, no skimmer, just tiny sponge filter. So I gotta hurry up and uh, put it all in the whole system and just give them. They'll have a protein skimmer, an automatic uh, filter roll, and I'll throw in a little UV on there. I think that's that's gonna be the ticket.
0: That's been a wish list tank for mine is a is a Hadoni carpet tank with some mm-hmm. clowns. You know, just dedicated tank for it. But uh yeah, just have never done it. So and that rainbow anemone you got is amazing.
1: <laughs> it's amazing carpet. when it's like not feeling the the weird proximity of the other anemones. Yeah. But granted, I have a lot of anemones in like thirty gallons of water, no matter how spread out they are, they're not touching. I just yeah, I think it's reached critical mass. But I'm glad I'm learning all these things about keeping a bunch of anemones together because I'm now like, all right, we got to turn up the system, give them more volume. The thing is, I could keep them in the same exact rack. I could keep them in the same exact rack. But now, it, then it'll be diluted into 120 gallons overall with auto filter, roll, with, you know, all the things that try to diffuse whatever kind of, um, you know, either stinging cells or or chemical warfare that's happening purposely or incidentally.
0: Yeah, I told you my um I don't maybe not on the podcast, but um I had ordered some um Ricordia yumas um a few weeks back uh and it was interesting cuz I put them in my established little propagation/coral slash coral holding quarantine tank, you know, to look for bad things. And I noticed as I was taking them out of the bag of the frag plugs had some dino-y strands on
1: Uh-oh. it. And Uh-oh. I was like, well,
0: whatever. You know, ever since I start went back to keeping my tanks at eighty-one, eighty-two, dinos don't take a hold anymore in my tank. And that's how I got through the whole dino hell. And that tank blew up with dinos. And I was like, man, what the hell? Um, I bumped the temperature up just one more degree and it didn't seem to be doing anything and i was getting kind of frustrating frustrated but then yeah i checked uh two days ago and it was gone i'm like okay so it it you know self-corrected but it was just interesting that this pioneer i won't call it an algae obviously but this this kind of thing that people refer to as a um temporary problem new tank syndrome uglies whatever back to that discussion of people having persistent issues with them it came in almost like a pest right on coral mm-hmm. and blew up mm-hmm. the whole tank and then eventually it just ran out of steam and died but there was no changes to the actual tank itself right there was no changes to the chemistry nothing uh no water changes nothing so it was interesting it was just like hmm, okay um, but, you know, I'm glad it happened in that tank. It reinforced my idea of keeping my corals in a little temp tank for just a week or two.
1: isolation, observation. Yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: Let that crap work itself out, and now I can put those frags in my main tank. So,
1: yeah, uh, interesting to share. Speaking of small tanks, you know, there's, again, there's been a lot of discussion and about the reef aquarium hobby being very expensive. So, just took the time to put together a sub hundred dollar little nano tank. Yeah. It was so easy. So, well, I mean, obviously it's easy because the rock was already colonized and everything. So I just plopped it in like, okay, you live by yourself now. Um, but yeah, I think I was super conservative on that one. Cause you could have a 10 gallon tank lying around. You could probably find a lid. You might not have to pay shipping for that stuff. And then you're talking about like a $75 tank. I'm going to stay away from most of my videos from including the livestock in the in the final price because it's really subjective but i will get around to doing a video where i talk specifically about the livestock and i'll go around a bunch of fish store and just you know buy off you know, stuff that's just not looking great or that's considered a past or hell i mean there, i mean there's so much to do in that space i'm, I'm looking very much looking forward to it
0: you should do a medium-sized tank on a budget. I mean, you'd have to have a little bit more of a budget, but um, I think that would be a really good conversation starter. Of um, you know, you can accomplish like a fifty or seventy-gallon tank where you have room to acquire uh, some interesting corals and keep mm-hmm. some interesting variety of fish, um, and have amazing-looking tank, but really don't need. The the only thing that scales up in my opinion is lighting. Um but yeah. from a filtration standpoint, you can get away with the same methodology, right? Yeah. Um but that would be kind of, that that's something that I was thinking of doing, but then um, I don't know. I just I would want to run it for a long period of time and let it develop, and I don't know if I really have the appetite to do that right now. So
1: I will never do that again except for my forthcoming acro tank <laughs> because um i have enough tanks to keep me you know busy that one I, yeah. I want to set up and it's going to be you know a lot of flow so i just want to verify that i'm cool with the aquascape and uh you know 400 gallons of water and the treatment before but when it's time man i'm gonna load it up i'm tired of like cutting these these staghorns getting too tall i'm like all this right, is plant everybody i think i got a few boxes of uh cornerstone rock being shipped to me straight from aquashella dallas or dallas area so we're looking forward to that and it's just you know what's funny dude like uh, planted aquariums had a booth at aquashella dallas with the tank exactly the same dimensions as mine and it had a tank for a sump basically i don't know what it was uh they said something like People were asking for glass sumps, and so they just turned one of their hundred gallon tanks into a sump. I'm like, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> I want the, I want the four or five foot long glass, you know, sump filter. Yeah, that's what. That's exactly what I want. So I'm, I'm really leaning towards finding any container that will fit. Just to get it going and then having a janky container and having it going is going to motivate me to spec out, you know, the sump that I actually want to use because I have everything else, rocks, corals, not lights, but you know, lights can come. Um, but yeah. So yeah, the, the, it, the nano Iwagumi setup was really fun. I was surprised how many people really, really got a lot out of it. Um, uh one commenter said they'd never heard of a feather duster worm i was like all right yeah you know the reef aquarium hobby has gotten you know really myopic or just has blinders on when it comes to other reef life um and the only thing that i was a little disappointed about that setup is the light the light i spec'd out a 25 dollar light that on paper looked really good little 10 watt jobby and when i put it over the tank dude it was like barely on it really surprised me because it had a great heat sink. and i just keep looking at it like i think if i just rip off those leds and grab like an old cluster from one from an old light and just hot wire it per se i think it'll be way 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 better <laughs> but i ended up pulling out a, a little spotlight but i was just i was kind of um dude i have every freaking spotlight there is practically <laughs> i was just surprised that they were either like too warm and white or or too cool and blue, and I couldn't find a great light to bring out the the purples of the purple death, the red of the rhodactis, and the green of the other rhodactis. So now I'm just like, man, there's, and then I've been looking at a bunch of lights. There's this weird middle ground of you know twenty five to fifty dollars lights that just almost don't exist to get anything okay. Like just new, it's like $50, $70. dollars. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of blowing my budget. So I'm still looking at. Some of the other spotlights and seeing if I can shoehorn them to be good enough.
0: You know, if you find something good, let me know. Because um, for giggles, I took my par meter in my little 12 inch tall prop tank and I have a really, really, really ancient uh, Kessel A350 that you gave me um, over it. And when it's full throttle directly over a little 20 gallon tank, I was mm-hmm. only getting 90 par, and
1: so those um, first gen 350s and yeah. 150s. Um, God, I haven't even seen a 150 out in the wild in a long time. Yeah. Um, the, after after three to five years, understandably, there was a significant reduction in the output. What's funny is, the, I think if what I've seen most often is, you switch that all the way to whites, all of a sudden it's super bright, and it's not from the brightness of the whites; it's because the whites haven't been run nearly oh, as hard as the blues. Yeah try it so just turn down the
0: blues but turn let the yeah tuna blue
1: it tuna blew it to more to be more
0: white interesting okay yeah so i i'm it's working it's great i mean 90 par is okay for uh, a little holding tank i do notice my extra frag of the fox flame acro is not too happy mm. um even though that coral does seem to like lower par uh but yeah, I need to find something to replace it. I may just do like an A360X or something over it because I do like the pendant. You know, There's it's nothing. easy to work on the tank and all that. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. I was like, you know, huh, that's a pretty big light for a little tank. So I was surprised at the low par readings, but it is. I have run that thing a lot, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I many ran many it, years. right? Yeah. I, I ran
1: I, it before you got it. So it's yeah, got a lot of, a lot of it's hours got some on. Miles on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's still a lot of discovery to be left on the truly nano LED lighting space. And it'll just, you know, be fun to find some of those winners for like, you know, 30 to 40 bucks um, for some of the future larger setups. Because a lot of people were asking about, you know, do a $200 tank. I'm like, all right. What I think I'm going to do is actually transfer what I currently have in that 10-gallon tank, put it into a 5-gallon tank. Because it's just, there's just a lot of open room. I'm like, it doesn't need to be that Iwagumi style, you know, where it's just a fine layer sand and just one rock. Doesn't need to go lean into that so hard. Gotcha, yeah. All right. Well, I got a couple news headlines uh we can, you know, gab about for a minute before we get to the what everybody's waiting for, the meat and potatoes. Um, with some good insights. So the first one is man, I've been I've oh god, I am used up on writing stories about um different coral fish markets can shut down you know fiji australia indonesia indonesia again back and forth yada yada anything just i just i mean it just wore me out so there's been a looming deadline for uh corals in queensland specifically um so that's one of the states of australia but that's the state that has most of the great barrier reef on it where most of our corals are collected and harvested and i man i don't know all the ins and outs there's like too much stuff going on right now to fully wrap my head around it uh so shout out to jeremy gay for doing that write-up you're a real mate (laughs) you're a real mate bruv he wrote he wrote it up on refilters and dissected all the information because i got one email that had like seven pdfs and each pdf like linked to other pdf and i was like oh man i'm not going down that rabbit hole that's too much right now. But long story short, they they have a new system in place um with reduced quota that gives until 2024. It's not it's not an end date, but that they just have a respite from now till you know 3 years from now to keep doing what they're doing and hopefully, you know, uh enact or keep um logging and monitoring their own actions. I don't know exactly. Definitely go read their story on reef builders, but Long story short, um, Queensland corals can continue to be harvested and exported for now.
0: How, you know, I, I I read the article, but I I didn't see it in there, and and maybe you don't have the answer directly in front of you. But um, how does the new quota limits compare to either previous limits or just the the number that was collected previously annually? I'm just curious to see if you know. Uh, Even though the corals are still being allowed to be collected if, you know, the limits are going to impact availability to some degree or
1: price or, you know. Oh, you know. You know it will. Yeah. You know, you see corals that used to ship like a whole colony that used to export for like $30. Now that colony is cut into six pieces and each piece is export pricing for like $45. And now the shipping's crazy, mm-hmm. you know, so that every time there's like a market squeeze <laughs> every time, man, people up the chain, they just send you smaller corals for more expensive. But on the flip side, since they, they can't handle as many corals, they now have a, a higher bar set, you know, so I guess, you know, by 2035, they'll only be able to harvest 100 corals and every one of those is going to cost twenty thousand dollars but they will knock your freaking socks off <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's where we're going to right now but um yeah i don't think i remember is it was twenty thousand kilograms of acropora and which i'm like all right well that seems kind of all right because a one kilogram colony of acro is going to be cut up a few different ways but there was another one that was kind of massive and i don't remember what it was and there was only like Seven or 800 kilograms of it i'm just like oh i think it was duncan i don't know why it was even on there like you'd think that'd be like a weed and i think it was like don't quote me on this i think it was a thousand kilograms of duncan i'm like all right 500 colonies (laughs) which again now are going to be cut up even smaller and smaller and they've already been selling them by the polyp for many many years but um I'm, i'm i'm glad it's just not a dramatic change i'm sure it yeah. feels like it for the guys collecting and their quotas and everything but um oh well that's just it's, it's happened it is It is past. passed yeah and you know
0: some good that might come out of it is some of these corals like duncan's instead of doing chop shop on wild colonies it you know if the value shifts then maybe there's more um value in, in the aquaculture route was something like that because that, that's a fast-growing coral. I mean, relatively, right? It's
1: sort of like candy cane everything else. It pops no, up. No, it's heads. not like candy cane. It's not like candy cane. It grows steadily. I wouldn't say it grows fast. Yeah, I felt
0: like it did. But, you know, I don't know. I, I keep things for a long time and ignore them. So, <laughs> <laughs> I look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's, that thing went from two polyps to ten polyps. But, um, but yeah, I mean... Uh, maybe, maybe more in line with like a blasto in terms of growth, um, mm-hmm. but yeah
1: it's you know it's not the end of
0: the world at least
1: well, what is the end of the world though is the diseases spreading through and killing everything that's not an acro in the Caribbean, and this has been you know an alarming oh, decimation of coral populations in the Caribbean, and I know a lot of you know, those corals have already been. Not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them have been plucked from the ocean and put into like aquarium arcs like we've been talking about for freaking 30, 40 years. Now the scientists are just giving it a crack. <laughs> it's just they're going to be, you know, the experts here soon uh, without too much inclusion from the aquarium hobby. They will have single-handedly saved the corals. But now um, so there was a story this week about a coral ointment to be applied to corals that suffer like the slow necrotic tissue loss out in the ocean and you know at first i'm like oh man that's that's pretty cool i want to learn more about this treatment but then i went to go look at the price and you're just like what is happening what's going on right here so man i don't know if there's just like one or two decimal places off but a a 400 gram jar of this ocean ointment that's what they call it or coral ocean ocean coral ointment coral cure ointment base 2b so i know they did a lot of trials but i'm pretty sure that was with tax money right tax dollars of researchers working at public aquariums everything's publicly funded but some group called ocean alchemists somehow they they went straight to a pharmaceutical company to find this elastomer that could be applied to the the perimeter of corals where they're receding and if you incorporate a amoxicillin into it um it releases the antibiotic for like three days and stopping the infection with like 86 percent rate so it's not even like this miracle cure but the cost to treat 20 meters that's 60 feet of reef is 346 dollars that's not counting anybody's time to go down there and actually do the thing. That's not counting the boat time or gas tank fill or the air tank fills or the salaries of people to go out there and like fix the reef. So to fix 2,000 meters of, or to treat 2,000 meters, so a little more than a mile of, you know, coral edging, um, that's $15,000 for this stuff. And I just, I don't really understand because... Ocean Alchemist, they're working with some pharmaceutical company. Um, And again, I went down this rabbit hole, but forgot the exact parties. And for some reason, the shipping of 400 grams is $150. Is it, is the
0: problem, the elastomer that they're getting from the pharmaceutical company and the pharmaceutical company is, you know, either the product is expensive or, you know, that that's what I'm wondering. Is it is it um, the part of getting into bed with a pharmaceutical company because you needed something that allows the amoxicillin to persist, right? And that might be some trade secret whatever that this company sure, has a, a sure, pattern.
1: But on. why does it cost $150 to ship four hundred grams? Well, yeah. That's <laughs> like I mean I mean looking at a spreadsheet right now, it says approximate cost of shipping, $150 for 400 grams uh, for one jar and they're just like is this like nitroglycerin or plutonium because i don't understand how a pound of anything costs 150 dollars to ship anywhere (laughs) anywhere you know does it have Um, to be frozen like the pfizer
0: vaccine you know like they gotta ship it on dry ice
1: i think it does need to be refrigerated yeah but that doesn't even include the cost of the antibiotic and i'm just like man there's something fishy here and The fact that they, again, like you said, kind of like partnered up with a pharmaceutical company and they went to those people's people and said, this is the thing that we need to do this other, this, this task. And yeah, maybe it's something funky. And I'm just over here thinking, I'm wondering like if there's like an Alonzo's oil situation. So I don't know if you remember this movie from Mm -hmm. the nineties where it was dramatized, right? So I'm not sure how true it was, but there was a different treatment that cost $12 or like $20,000 that Kept people's lives, kept people alive with a rare um, a neurological disease, um, and I'm just over here. Like when I saw the price and what it's trying to do, I'm like, did they try petroleum jelly? <laughs> did they just try because they need some substance to apply to the perimeter of corals that are receding. To, to also will release this 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 media. So I'm, I'm I have some confidence that if I drill down, it's not as bad as it sounds. And the optimist in me is actually trying to focus on the fact that just the very concept of using something like, let's say, epoxy or super glue or su- mixed with um, uh, a treatment of some kind, there's got to be some applications in the aquarium hobby. When you have something that's receding really slowly, we already kind of do this to some degree, right? With our super glue band-aids. Mm-hmm. minus the whole bacteria stuff so what if what if the, the the tissue loss disease in caribbean could be fixed just by like big old pipes of freaking super glue you could literally just super glue around the thing there's no way it's going to cost 350 dollars to treat 60 feet <laughs> did they even read like any aquarium like treatments for like what we do when we have coral loss you know i think w- when you see this price i just I can't help but think that someone knows that this is going to be paid for by government money, by tax dollars. And they literally, in some of the press release, they they say proprietary ointment. At least they tell you they're using amoxicillin. It's just, I don't know. But it it got my gears turning about, well, hmm, maybe we could do something like that with... uh, you know for uh, aquarium corals on a larger scale like say you had a chalice that was receding a little bit and you gave it a couple of treatments you didn't know what to do um yeah maybe there's something there you can just be able to kind of button it down with something that has a antibiotic uh actually mixed into it and so that's the the side i was trying to focus on i was like ooh, this could be a, a really cool technique
0: i yeah i'm I'm generally a very positive guy, so when I say pessimistic things, I, I don't mean to sound negative, but um, I just, you know, again, I go into deep thought territory, sitting on my porch drinking a beer, and um, some of the stuff I read about, like these feel-good articles, I I kind of feel like, I, I don't know, it's, it's like um, we have this house, and it's killing all the kitties inside, all the cats. So we went and we, we like, it's like you're not fixing what's wrong with the house. You're you're just like these coral transplants, right, and stuff like that. I don't get me wrong. Like I'm a big believer in you know, don't let the fact that we can do that we cannot do everything stop us from doing something, right? I I respect that, but it's like patching corals with antibiotics because they're dying in large numbers in this ecosystem to me is like a band-aid and it's um where does it all end you know that that's always been my question is like oh uh, this weather reef completely bleached out and died but we're going to transplant new corals there i'm like okay and what happens when the temperature rises again
1: it's just it feels a little bit like a money grab because of the urgency. Because we can't fix the environment now, but maybe we can save some of these corals today. And for sure, Uncle Sam or some local or state governments, there, there. I mean, there's going to be um, hundreds of thousands of dollars thrown at this technique. You know, whether it really works in the field or not, right? So no matter what, like somebody, a lot of money can change hands and it just who will who knows what will actually happen like who's going to really profit from it you know the pharmaceutical company it would literally cost them a ton of money to create this elastomer and ocean alchemist is not really taking off off the top and they're really trying to help people out like either way like there's going to be a lot of money pumped into the problem and, you know, at the end of the day, oh, there's going to be another disease next year and then 10 years and then the reef is going to be, you know, eroded or drowned by a high sea well. You know, you just never know.
0: Yeah. I, I, again, I, I, I commend the effort and, you know, doing what you can to keep things afloat and pre- preserved and surviving. There's nothing wrong with that, but I just don't know what the end game is ultimately. And that that's what... Is a depressing thought, but, I mean, it goes through my head, right? It's like the guy down the street buys a Prius and thinks he's saving the planet, but he has four kids. Yeah. Uh,
1: well, I, again, I'm trying not know? to get incensed yeah, by yeah, the, yeah. that yeah. part of it and thinking to myself, hmm, petroleum jelly. I could, maybe I could uh, mix up a little ChemiClean clean in there, some erythromycin or some other antibiotic and put it in like little patches on corals that I can't exactly take out of the tank.
0: I can see the tourism benefit, right? I mean, if there's reefs that. Tourists aren't going to see corals.
1: Oh, I come know. on. Like, Panicamp, State to see Park, s- and all that, right? I mean, they're going to see sea turtles. Yeah. <laughs> going to see sea turtles and a few token fish. and
0: Yeah, but if the coral dies, a lot of the, the fun things people I mean, want to see go away, too, right? Dude, I was so,
1: on Panicamp Reef in 15 years ago. There was virtually no coral yeah, there, right? There was a few sea fans or Gorgonians.
0: It's, <laughs> it's pretty depressing. I've been there.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, now we come to the big news of the hour. This is kind of a long one. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, you know, what's funny is how many people tried to read the tea leaves and just threw out like wild guesses about what was going to happen next in the, um, (laughs) The acquisition trend that's happening right now and um so i'm just going to recap what's uh, been happening for the listeners who may not be fully abreast of uh, what's transpired this year Um, but there's an investment group called bertram capital and back in february they acquired bulk reef supply and that was what i call the like the opening salvo where you know the the team brs just said they you know they really want to grow the market and expand their business and better help people and just grow the company in a way that they couldn't do organically like they had been for a few years so then for almost half a year everything kind of stayed mostly the same in the in the foreground um they did acquire a bunch of talent here and there um you know uh Absorbing people uh, in the industry with a lot of experience and a wide range of talents, and uh, then the shocker, which we've already talked about, is uh, back in June. Um, people said Bulk Resupply bought Marine Depot, and that's kind of that was kind of the narrative at the time. But um, Marine Depot had been struggling for a little while, so they I think they bought a lot of emails, newsletters, YouTube uh, content and some of their people. So that was in June. And then like just about a month later, um, their first major acquisition was the, um, purchase of Neptune systems. And that's what really kind of sparked people's, um, interest to try to, uh, you know, predict the future, the Nostradamus effect. If you guess enough times, you're going to get it right. Um, so it's worth noting. I don't know how many, people are aware of this, but a a few weeks ago, you know, uh, Terence Fugazi, who had been the f- figurehead of Neptune Systems and, you know, really uh, brought them into the, the current era, um, he departed the organization a few weeks back. There was really not much discussion about it, just a lot of surprise. And then, so yesterday, November 2nd, um, the acquisition slash merger with Ecotech Marine was announced you know, so now we've we've got what I'm calling kind of a super group with uh, Neptune Systems, Bulk Resupply, Ecotech Marine. And uh, the reason we talked about this last, because my pet peeves about this whole issue or this whole episode, not our episode, just what's what's happening, is that people will spend so much time talking about it. And there's already a, plenty of previous examples where people spun their wheels on a topic and at the end of the day it doesn't change your how chemistry works in your tank it doesn't change how you're going to have to manage aptasia in your reef aquarium it doesn't change what you need to know and learn about like lighting up your corals flowing up your rocks feeding your fish doing your water changes and I just I oh mean I feel like there's a subset of probably every hobby with hobbyists that spend way too much time talking about it than actually doing it.
0: But I mean, we are a culture where we get into flame wars about bare bottom versus sand. Right. So I think the the topic that's was, different,
1: that is different. At least you're furthering some arguments towards a common goal, but what was your thought when you first heard about this?
0: Um, so I agree. The gossip is overboard or the speculation, I guess, is overboard. Um, I, when they bought Marine Depot, I, it was, if you're in the business to grow, it made sense, right? Um, it made sense that, uh, and you know, I know like we can get into the, kind of confusing state because a lot of people talk about bulk reef supply being the buyer versus Bertram. Uh, my impression is that bulk reef supply is probably advising Bertram on some things. Who knows? Maybe they're not. But um, in the end, that doesn't matter, right? It, it's if you are investing in a bulk reef supply and there's a struggling competitor that you have an, an opportunity to buy at a good price, that made sense. I think when Neptune happened, that was a bit
1: of a left turn for a lot of people where- Cause it wasn't just like business, business. It was also brands and products and Yeah, just, it was
0: vertical integration, right? Yeah. It's um, we now own something that we sell. Um, and then they doubled down with ecotech. And I don't think it's, I, you, yeah, I mean, again, going back to deep thoughts on the porch, I certainly have some <laughs> concerns about it, but not like I wouldn't even call them concerns right I, I I have some of my own speculative thoughts of where again, where does this all end right? but nobody knows right so so it's not i don't i don't know i i don't i I'm not gonna lose sleep over it. I do feel like um I feel like when you're in a room. And, and there's all these voices about companies and product direction, right? There's really loud voices about innovation and ways that, you know, they can do things in new markets or in ways to be more competitive. And there's voices in the room on, you know, how do we increase our profitability? How do we make production more streamlined and make it more efficient and uh, make our net revenue better, right? Um, and... The the only problem is, is like the the whole tagline of um, less competition is good for the consumer, you know, because now we have synergies between the companies and we can innovate more. I believe that's true, right? I think we're going to see hopefully Ecotech products play nicer with Neptune and vice versa. That would be cool. Um, I, got some,
1: I got some points on that.
0: Yeah, but... Um, less competition inevitably makes some of those innovation voices over time maybe not immediately in my opinion probably quieter in the room and from a capital investment point of view when you are competing against less entities for for your dollar right by this light instead of our light or by our light instead of their light um, does that continue to push innovation as being the most important thing in the room or does the, how do we make things more efficient, more, uh, how do we make manufacturing more affordable on our end and we can continue to charge X and we can bring home more net revenue? Those voices do tend to get a little bit louder. And then the ethical piece of I've heard them talk about how they love their local fish stores and they don't want to see local fish stores go out of business who are also selling a lot of these products by Neptune, Ecotech, uh, Aqua Illumination. Um, and I believe that, you know, the spirit of the BRS guys is good, mm-hmm. but uh, but there's another voice in the room now, right? And that's Bertram. And um, I know they were chosen because they had the most reasonable voice out of all the folks that wanted to invest, but... Again, eventually decisions that are fiscally smart, um, whether they're good long term from a consumer perspective, are gonna have credence in those conversations. They're gonna have value, right? They're gonna be and, right, and again, before, I don't want to get into well, hold on, I don't want to get into speculation, right? But because that, that's the problem is that now you could speculate, well, they could do this and that would make them more money, Or, but it would could, suck for us. But we don't know,
1: you know. Or you could, we do know. We, I mean, for now, like, so it's seven years ago, February 2014, Ecotech Marine merged with Aqua Illumination. We already have... I mean, obviously, this is not as huge of an example as what's happening now, but we already have... They didn't
0: sell directly to the consumer. I mean, they've got parts and accessories, but... Okay. Uh,
1: Vertical integration aside, though, but we already have this at least one pre-existing example of Ecotech Marine essentially acquiring AI. I know it was a merger of, of resources and stuff, but... The brand only got stronger. It got better. You know, there's been multiple generations. The price has stayed the same with the feature set just getting better and better. They, you know, really pushed with the first, like, kind of router enabled cloud control of, uh, not the first, but probably the first that most people are familiar with with the the AI hyperdrive, uh, series. That had AI-Fi. I think there. That's the word I was looking for, but nothing really changed. Um, the lights got better. They came in white and black. Their mounting offering got a little bit better. And then, you know, Ecotech Marines experience with water pumps was used to develop the Neros, which are already like being copied at infinitum and created a kind of a new product category within the propeller pumps that people freaking love you know and so when i want to go let's just you know but it's important to have to that for the conversation though it's important to have that at, for the conversation before we look at the the greater picture of the vertical integration and selling the products that you want yes there, no. that is that is a, a yeah. tricky one
0: to your point um if you buy something that has a good brand it's not in your interest to destroy that brand right Algae you Volkswagen. had Team AI, you had Team Ecotech, like in, in the consumer space, right? So, and Alexis, yeah, and and you know, you're going to have people that prefer an AI light over an Ecotech light, or they're just more brand loyal. So, it was a brand that had a very good reputation and a and a strong following. So, it didn't make sense to kill it, right? Uh, to me, you you grow that brand in parallel. So, so I yeah. love what
1: they've done with it as far as making the Radeon. Um, you know a little bit more premium and um little higher power and more diffused right they made it like a a blanket of light whereas the clusters of the prime and the hydras just got smaller and smaller and smaller within the same form factor that was really cool um but yeah we're right around the corner i think some users of mobius beta already have um control of ai products like hydras and mobius within sorry, uh, hydras and Nero's within Mobius. So that's, that's really, really cool. But a lot of people don't even know that they're, you know, essentially the same company. And um, yeah, you know, like, I don't know. I, I really feel like this is for the best summit. Somebody said this was a jab and I did not mean it as a jab, but when, um, bird Valkyrie supply says they want to grow the hobby and that's why they took this money, yada, 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 you know, in my mind, I'm like, I think they kind of just want to go public and just, you know, build something grand and big and, and massive. But when the you know, ecotech Marine says, analogous things like, I really believe them because I've known the guys, um, Forever, forever since you know, since they launched the first Vortech Pump. And I know that a lot of the challenges that they faced over the last 10 years was producing the products that were already available, right? And that one of the few things that disincentivized them from making new products is they could never catch up. Well, not never, but they just they were always running to catch their own tail. They were always running to fill orders to expand, expand, expand just to build the existing catalog of water pumps. You know, I mean, don't you think we should be on a Vortec 45 by now, right? The MP40s, uh, their legacy pump, it has been updated, let's just say twice, right? Because there was one initial kind con- of optimization to the old wet side and then they made an mp10 style wet side for the mp40 so you know and then the new controller called the quiet drive so you know we did kind of in pieces end up arrive at a, f- a fully revamped vortex but i'm sure those guys with you know a lot more resources we'd have a Vortech 45 or 41 and a vortex 61 or 65 uh, you know mp15 or something you know something like that really i know they would love to to iterate on that stuff if they could but even as a large company when you can barely keep up with the demand and orders for what already exists it's hard to just justify being like okay we're gonna can this product line and then create or this product model and then create a whole new one that that's not business sense unless you're just looking ahead to stay ahead of the competition
0: I look, I, I want to, again, I'm not, I don't want to get into the, the, um, you know, forecasting the future because I don't know. Yeah. I I hope that they look at those brands as being, um, valuable in their own entities. Right. And, and so you just keep growing those brands and then you build some synergies. I, and I, cause I would love to use a Versa (laughs) infusion, right? I'm not too. Fond Much of better. The dose pumps. Much um,
1: better. Yeah, for sure.
0: And I've, you know, as a guy who never did water changes, I'm kind of having fun with automated water changes, but I would like a better solution to do that. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited about some of those synergies. Um, and I'm also excited that, you know, companies like Ecotech don't have to chase their own tail. I'm just curious, you know, if – are we going to stick with the same rhetoric if they buy – an aquarium manufacturing company if they get into the livestock business like i'm just curious like are we all still gonna you know, getting
1: in getting into the products and the selling and the content creation i think that's all still dry so man i don't have crystal ball either but i don't see them getting into the livestock because the it's you, just so much less bankable you know it's I mean, you could do your own aquaculture facility and you could still have like a pest, you know, a wave of pests just pass through and just burn up all your crop, you know. And But uh, how many, okay, how many dry good brands can they buy
0: before, I guess, you become a little bit skeptical?
1: I'm not even worried about it. I totally expect them to incorporate a, a brand of consumables you know additives and salt it would be silly not to, to to have that whole package totally expect them to create or start their own um uh t- acquiring brand like be that seems like a shoe in no matter what they do um but kind of going back to the uh, interoperability i think it's just in some ways it's like this is like a reverse divorce. Like, not, not, I don't know how many people are really aware of just the campiness that occurred between the Neptune Systems, you know, controller fanboys. Give me that gray and orange. And then everybody else, you know, uh, especially the Ecotech Marine side. And no matter what you thought about either side, now we're all in one big happy family. <laughs> and I, I know I was, that the companies was, will be. I companies was, uh, will be siloed for a while. Yeah, yeah and th- that's why while. I think
0: short term, I don't think it's going to change much. I, I think it's 10 years later where the mission statements start to shift a bit. But I was really excited at the prospect of one day Ecotech uh, coming out with um, the the the, f- the finishing pieces to make them essentially a, a controller ecosystem to take on Neptune and I'm a Neptune user, right? I love my Neptune. I love fusion. Um, But I'd like to see that kind of jostling between the two and them pushing each other. Um, And hopefully behind the scenes, the synergies and the integration actually sort of pushes things forward in the same cadence. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was one, of uh, that was one thing where it's like, well, are we ever going to see what ecotech can do in the controller space or is I it more I think I have
1: those answers. Okay. So I'm actually traveling to Eco to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania next week. And I had this stuff planned to go do some like mega collabs, sending them some corals like for months. So this, 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 <laughs> the timing of my trip is like, they almost closed the deal for me. I'm not that vain, but it's yeah. great timing. So next week I'm going to sit down with them and I'll have like, the the real one on one and um, we'll find out a little bit more but I, I'm certain that the companies will remain you know, mostly siloed in terms of operations for a while for, for the foreseeable future but like some really easy steps is now that the the beef is essentially squashed um, I think we could see a, a module that allows the Neptune systems. Uh, platform to control, you know, Mobius enabled devices really quickly. Or um I think now that they have cloud Wi-Fi, you know, control of Ecotech Marine products, it could be as simple as a cross platform handshake. You know, like it might not even need any hardware. I don't know what's the best implementation, but I do know that those two things are possible. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know it's less than six months before something like that comes out right they don't have to be married to each other you right like this peg doesn't have to go in this hole but these simple things um, like the smart communication handshake or whatever i think we could see that sooner than later because it doesn't cost anybody anything except for a little bit of coding time i say that <laughs> i well, say that and as a if you coder.
0: Can bring developers from both sides into a mm-hmm. room right give them some some zoom calls and, and let them start sharing more because they don't have these, you know, com- competition things keeping them from talking to each other. Like,
1: so I'm going to go a little bit out on a limb here. Like, I know the Ecotech guys are doing well, right? They've been doing well for a while. They're pretty well established in Bethlehem, in their towns. And so what I mean by that is I don't think they're motivated by more money. I think they really want to finish the mission. Or at least get it to a stage of completion that they can feel good about, you know, this um, journey that they started on. And so I really do believe that they are motivated by the resources. Like, all right, for example, there's this massive chip shortage happening right now and they've been, um, searching for comparable chips to use in the controllers and lights and things but every time they find one that they can actually buy that's not the stock one they have to like rebuild the the pcbs they really have to rewrite the code and they have to do all this work just to keep the engine humming where it had been before the chip shortage so they're doing all this work and making no progress you can imagine how much stress it the owners of any company experienced over the last you know 15 months or whatever with all this uncertainty and so for them to be able to buy into uh, you know a larger piece of you know commercial inertia um i mean i don't i don't I, I don't blame them you know but like one perfect example of how more resources should allow them to create more and more diverse products is like a lot of folks who visited ecotech marine over the years had seen the prototype versus just running in some of the workshop rooms those things were like the least guarded secret in you know the aquarium uh Grapevine, basically. <laughs> I think it was running forever and ever and ever. And so, like, for sure, if like this deal had happened back then, dude, the verses would be, there'd be like multiple different models of verses <laughs> by now, right? They'd be so well established and they still can't keep track with production now with the chip shortage. And so I say it was in, um, developmental limbo and now it's in production purgatory. And I've even seen Versus go you know, brand new for $300 on eBay. I don't know if anybody's actually paying that. But imagine if they had the kind of resources they're about to have access to now. And I, I, my understanding, again, don't take this as gospel, is that it was more of a buy-in than a sell-out. They don't have overlords. They will have a corporate data, you know, like uh, uh, John Oliver likes to talk about on last week tonight. So, you know, they'll have to enter some folks, but I feel, I think they're going to be able to do what they do. And I just, I oh, man, I'm looking forward to just seeing a lot more Ecotech Marine products because they just haven't disappointed.
0: Yeah. Like, I mean, I said from the start, it's nothing that I'm going to lose sleep over. It's more just, it'll be interesting to observe over time, right? Um, I, I, you know, I don't. I think the gossip is or the speculation on on forums that I go to is a bit out of control. But at the same rate, I don't want to discount their emotions about it because mm-hmm. I can see there being. I, I can understand some of their concerns as a consumer. I, I, I do. I, I'm not going to discount that, and. You can say, well, like let's see how it all plays out, or we should trust them. And I think a lot of people were when Neptune happened, and then Ecotech just sparks it all over again, right? And so that was my question: is if they buy three more companies, like when, when, uh, when do you start to say, well, how you know what are what are the long term implications of this? What right? are they and- worried
1: about? Are they worried that? LED lights are going to continue to cost a thousand dollars a piece. Are they worried about the MP40s? Are going to continue to cost like four hundred freaking dollars because we've been paying top dollar for the you know basically like the Teslas of aquarium products, the I Apple of think- aquarium products. Um, wait, 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 and. These guys have nailed and cornered the premium space. Like, what do you think they're gonna do? You know, they've worked so hard to create their own assembly lines and SMTs in-house in America to produce their own products that keep the quality high. You think they're gonna offshore all that stuff? Like uh, that's no, they, no, they, they have the premium don't, market cornered and don't they're gonna continue to do that. If anything, a lot of their their know-how is going to trickle down into um, mid-range and budget-level aquarium devices. That would be my prognostication.
0: Yeah, I, I think I don't discount, or I, I mean, sorry, that's not the word. I don't doubt the intent or motives of Ecotech people, Bulk Reef Supply people, Neptune people. Um, I just what I'm trying to say is there's another voice in the room, right? That is incentivized by different things. Mm -hmm. uh, And there's nothing wrong with what they're incentivized with. Um, You know, there's a million ways that Neptune can make more money that I don't, I would not like, right? Right. A subscription model for Fusion, right? Now I got to pay a monthly subscription to use the Fusion app. That would piss me me off. (laughs) Oh, believe me, somebody's brought that up before. And if they haven't, then hire me. Um but (laughs) um that's an example where it's like, hey, that would be that would probably make Bertram pretty happy, but and, and you know what's annoying is I'd probably pay it, right? And I'd be pissed off about paying it. Um,
1: <laughs> $99 a year, just like iCloud.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like my, I got the Eero mesh. Oh, get Eero Secure for 100 bucks a year. And, you yeah, know, so the subscription model has gone rampant in in our world, right? Um There's just examples like that where I start to think like, okay, like how does this play out with local fish stores, right? Again, I don't want to, I don't want to assume that bad things are going to happen because I don't know the future, but it's a good question, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I remember when, um, uh, well, I can use ORA as an example or uh, a guitar company where they said, look, uh, you have to buy X number of our guitars to continue to sell our brand. And that put all the mom and pops stores in the world, music stores in the world, are hurt. And the only people that could meet that demand and keep selling their instruments was like Guitar Center, these large chains, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what happens to like the mom and pop stores if they were to do something like Again, I'm actually, I said I wouldn't speculate, so I would but like I'm just it. saying like, what are they worried about? I think they're worried about decisions that are driven by increasing the bottom line that you know, it might not be great for the consumer. And again, I I want to believe that this is all good and synergies and cool. I can control my Vortex and Neptune, yay. But I, I don't want to discount. I, I think that, the like I said, the posts have gotten out of control and like, yeah, focus on your tank. Don't worry about the future. Don't worry about things you can't control. That's, but that's I also kind of don't want to discount that. their emotions, right? Like I sort of get where they're coming from, where they're kind of like, hmm, how does this play out?
1: I get that, you know, um, but I would say that, you know, I joined the aquarium industry, like born with a baptism of fire because when I first got into aquarium hobby and like my first aquarium job, I mean, we're talking, this is like two weeks after the ban on the harvest of Caribbean live, live rock. And I, I, I'm very familiar with this sky is falling narrative. And twenty-five years later, the hobby's still not shut down, right? I don't, you know, I I will definitely put my foot down when there's certain facts and details that i feel very strongly about but when it comes to like the the sky's falling idea i just i've seen people get worked up about politics about vaccines about shutting down of the industry and now about this and at the end of the day it's just like it's a lot of huffing and puffing and not nearly enough conversing on how to get rid of dinoflagellates once and for all
0: (laughs) but i mean okay like i don't own a fish store so i don't have a horse in the race i'm not betting on a horse I don't work in the industry like you do. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't care, right? Like I don't. I do care, but like I, it's not going to majorly impact my life. If tomorrow wild corals are banned, then I'll just keep aquacultured clownfish and I'll just keep trucking. Like I, I'm okay. But let's just say they buy uh, worldwide corals, or they they get into the livestock business, and they get into the aquarium business, and they get into the everything business. Our um, local fish stores still an ally for them.
1: Let's say let's take two hypotheticals. If I was a you know current reef store owner, and Bulk Reef Supply launched its own brand of pumps, lights, additives, whatever, I would not be freaking thrilled. Uh, you know that would not be my. And damn, they sell fish know. and coral. And I, I, well, let's just, just say say stick with the you know, private labeled goods because yeah. now they have Aquamax from when they bought Marine Depot. So I would not be on board with that. I would be like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. But then when you're talking about brands like Neptune Systems, like Ecotech Marine, like Aqua Illumination, that are just so entrenched with the DNA of the modern reef aquarium hobby in North America, um, those customers, they come into a local fish store just straight asking for it. they just straight asking for it. They know they can order it, but they know that there's also a mat price. And I know that stores that stock the stuff, they sell the stuff whether hmm. or not they use it right so it's just like it's uh you know <laughs> it's the, don't throw the baby out with the butter ba, baby water. out with the bath water scenario this but when 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 customers come in asking for these established brands but if it, you know if it was reversed if like brs was trying to launch their own brands that'd be a, a much harder sell and i get what people are upset about and but
0: and, I, look, and I, again,
1: I'm not losing sleep. I'm just giving you some need, devil's yeah. advocate. To, now we we went into know. this knowing I was going to be good cop, you're going to yeah, be bad cop. Yeah. Um, just because we want to, you know, I- inject the balance. Yeah. You know, um, the, the the hobby is so mature that man, Ecotech Marine, AI, Neptune Systems, they misstep or their higher-ups, you know, force them into decisions they're not thrilled about, there's just countless examples of people leaving those organizations to start their own company. True. You know, yeah. like Spectrum, Spectrum Brands, you know, bought up, uh um, let me try to get this right, Omega Sea, Marineland, Aquarium Systems, U.S., and a couple others. And, you know, at least a couple of those guys you know, fractured off and formed Cobalt Aquatics. You know, to get a little bit closer and in tight in with the reef aquarium, with their uh, audience within the aquarium hobby market. So, you know, I, again, it's not the end of the world. There is legitimate, you know, long-term concerns about how things look five years down the road. But I really feel like strongly that at least in the medium terms, next three to five years are going to be very exciting. I, I don't I, think we're going to see- I
0: think short-term, the synergies and innovations will be very exciting. Um, and again, at the end of the day, it's, we're talking about aquarium lights and controllers. They're not going to, this
1: isn't going to ruin my life. Um, if nothing else, we can just buy current generation, like, you know, five, 10 years from now, we'll be like looking for those, you know, new inbox, never used Gen 4s. Oh, you got got
0: some pre-BRS, uh, (laughs) dude, you know how much those are worth? No, um, (laughs) Yeah, I just mean when the group hugs and the like, let's print some t-shirts, like uh, when all of that fades in 10 years and, you know, Bertram Capital, and when the COVID thing ends and, you know, all these, I mean, all these hobbies have gotten out of control because everyone's at home, right? Like it, the ho- this hobby benefited greatly. Um, but, you know, when, when life somehow goes back to normal, like if, if this hobby loses steam, I'm just interested to see how it plays out. And it could all be great and, you know,
1: whatever. Between you and me, this hobby's not losing steam. Like, we've it, seen it grown from, like, this super oddball niche where the biggest conference of the year could only attract, like, 80 people to now there's innumerable conferences with thousands and thousands of people, you know, every year. So, I don't think it's going to go back. I, but, yeah, uh, I. I think think we'll be all right. I think we'll we'll be all right.
0: It'll be, it'll be, at the end of the day, it'll be interesting to observe um, the people that are like, oh, I'm not, I deleted my bulky supply account. Like, I'm not on that camp, right? I, I I like their videos. I like the, um, I like buying stuff from them. I like ecotech. I like AI. I love my Neptune. I got, you know, I'm just playing devil's advocate that, you know, sometimes, you know, you, it's interesting to watch. And I, I do think there's some, yeah you know, it'll be interesting to observe. And if I was a local fish store owner, I might be a little bit like WTF about it all. Um, but, um yeah, wait and They're see. They
1: are the ones who have skin in the game. They are the ones who should be the most vocal about it. they If they want to voice a lot of, uh, you know, Extreme concerns, go for it. But these conversations are not being had primarily by retail and business, you know, aquarium business owners. It's hobbyists just getting wound up, you know, foaming at the mouth about what could happen. To be honest, not even the people involved have a crystal ball to know. Well, I was going to say the other side of that coin
0: is. that's a big undertaking to integrate those companies right and to build those synergies and and to build a roadmap on how what what the future looks like. I don't envy them like that's that's a lot of work like they've got a they've got a a lot of um long hours ahead of them to figure it all out I mean obviously they've got some high level ideas about it mm-hmm. but executing it is going to be a lot of work and i I, I hope they succeed I really do. I I want to I want to have a versa controlled in my fusion, you know, (laughs) like I I want those things. And I know you probably. But why? It already
1: works. It already works. Listen, you know, you don't care about
0: having like thirty apps on your phone. I do. Like, I just want one single pane of glass. You know, one ring to. You know what?
1: Sometimes having thirty apps is easier to navigate than having thirty functions uh, cryptically nested within a single app. Sometimes it's actually quite quick. Like my AI works as fast as you can tap on it. But (laughs) like, and
0: again, you could could have done this, but just an example, um, hey, change 30 gallons of my aquarium water. But hey, if this really high float switch in my sump activates, meaning that you're adding water, but water is not getting removed because there's something wrong with one of the dosing heads, stop, right? If else, um, those kind of things. Hey, if you detect water, on the basement floor where (laughs) I'm draining my uh, old salt water, stop doing the water change. Stuff like that, right? It's the integration of different indicators and and acting on them and that's what i've always I believe loved about these fusion. companies
1: are going to operate mostly independently but there's just going to be a lot more friendly communication and cross-pollination of talent and ideas to make the mothership the, i'm calling it the super group i believe they're going to be forming a holding group you know between uh bertram capital and these other companies so it'll be you know kind of like a super band of you know whatever companies they they pull together um but yeah i think i've said enough about about it you know i think there's a lot of examples where this is going to be positive and you know we just have to have faith and you can't really help it uh definitely the the super group of neptune brs a- ecotech ai they got some some splaining to do to the local fish stores somehow to assure them that they're not going to eat their lunch you know with their fully vertically integrated company and uh i'm not one of those kind of stakeholders so i you know a lot less is riding on it for me but yeah, you know, i got my products the my tanks look amazing. My lights work. My flow pumps work. My dosing pumps work. I'm I'm happy.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's just I honestly, I think all the forums, it's just something fun to talk about. The people that get really irate, I don't get. The people that want to speculate, I get because it's kind of fun to chat about. Um I don't have any skin in the game either. I'm I'm just a hobbyist. I don't I don't have a I don't, you know, a casual advanced hobbyist. <laughs> I am. I mean <laughs> if it all goes to S-H-I-T, uh, like, it's okay. Like, I'll figure something out, you know? Oh,
1: we'll fall back on our DIY roots like we, yeah. you know,
0: started this hobby I don't need on. a like controller, no you know. Exactly. I'll pull out some... You know, I'm sure somebody in China is building some LED lights that I will rebuild are my
1: Aquadine, and- my open source-ish Aquadine. I'll just make it work. Yeah. No, it'll be good. But no, this is a really good time to have a session of Reef Therapy and just chat us all out. I hope this kind of touches upon, you know, a lot of things that, people have been thinking about and like i said next week i'm gonna be at ecotech marine i'm going to do some sit down interviews with them for our channel for their channel um and i think a lot more details from their own mouth will really uh, go a long way to um just getting people just to cool their jets and just feel better about the situation which it took me it took me a little bit by surprise because I didn't really see them going that route but just talking to them for 20 30 minutes I understood how it really made sense. I mean it's so much work No oh,
0: from an owner's perspective and like you said um
1: carrying chasing- the company Oh, on your own for yeah. 15 years, is, I think that's what they're up to now. And that's a ton of work. And if anyone who's a small business owner, um, or even a large business owner, if you have to uh, carry that yourself, you know how good it feels to have help. Oh, to, yeah. you know, get into the next chapters of your company's uh, history.
0: Yeah, and hopefully they listen to this, and hopefully uh, your time with Ecotech calms things down, just in time for the next announcement of an acquisition. Well,
1: that <laughs> also depends what they say. You know, I, I could oh, we could sit here and, like, speculate, but I just would much rather just go over feed my fish and see how my corals are, see how my new Leptorial, you know, scribbled brain corals looking. That I'd, I'd rather spend my time doing that than, you know, throwing darts at a uh, Well, think about or all or the or.
0: companies that are really no more that we used to worship, right? I mean, PFO, like, I was all about their... Um, metal halide ballast and i i guess ice cap is still around making turf scrubbers and stuff um i don't know there's just a lot of um hell i used to use
1: Coralife life salt when i started you are I. ultraviolet resources international yes. i'm starting to collect vho lamps because stores are throwing them away and they're like hey do you want this i'm like yep i got a spot for him I just I got the ballast. I just need some end caps. I need a wiring harness, and I'm going to revisit some VHO reefs sooner than I think.
0: I'm I'm not. I think these companies, and I hope they do well, and I think they will. I uh, you know the the limited number of people I've met behind the scenes all seem like really smart, passionate people. So I'm not saying they're going to fail. What I'm saying is. All the crap I used to run my reef tank on, those companies really don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? But I'm when still I, when a I was at. Uh,
1: man, uh, Euro uh, Reef e- is gone. ETS is gone. ETS is gone. When I was at uh, Dallas World Aquarium, you know what I saw behind the scenes? What? A precision marine solar protein skimmer. Remember the HSA And They're in spammers? Texas. I mean, they had ads out. I mean, yeah. as recently, as a couple of years ago, I remember writing stories about things they were doing as recently as like three or four years ago. So I don't know if they're like totally gone, but that used to be one of the tops you know definitely one of the tops and uh yeah yeah nothing is forever yeah except change so cheers to that i don't know how a better way to draw the curtains on this um seminal session of reef therapy but mark thanks for hashing it out with me once again as always thanks for having me Cool. And thanks everybody for listening. Make sure to uh, rate us if you listen to it on your favorite podcatcher. Um, YouTube is a great place to engage us in comments. I think we'll do a little QA section, uh, you know, a forthcoming. Uh, we got to get, episode. we got
0: to talk. Uh, we did promise books too. We got to get yep. that back up there.
1: Yep. We'll get on it. Cool. Well, until next week, bye, Mark. Bye to all the listeners and viewers. And we'll catch you next time.